Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Chronic Fatigue and Burnout Recovery Podcast. It is a beautiful sunny day here on the southwest coast. It's a little chilly as it's February at the time I'm recording this, but I am sitting here and the sky is bright blue and there's loads of beautiful sunshine just coming through the window onto my face as I'm recording. And so I just thought I'd share that with you to set the scene. Today I'm recording a little bit on the fly. I have just been pretty busy since the start of the year, which is obviously great for business, but it means keeping up with things like the blog and social media and the podcasts. Those are always the last, well, those are always the first things to go because, you know, client delivery comes first and then all that other stuff is secondary. So I'm a little bit underprepared, shall I say, for today. But what I wanted to talk about is something that I have been thinking of just through things I've been sharing on my social media in the past week and a few other situations that have come up in my business and talking to um, other practitioners as well. So just to kind of tell you where we're going with this episode is it's really about this idea of not neglecting the basics. And To give it a little bit of context, I'll share with you that one of my friends, who's also a practitioner, reached out to me. She said, I've got a client. She's struggling with fatigue. She's got um, Epstein-Barr virus, EBV in her history. Um, And I feel really overwhelmed. I don't know what to do with her. You know, maybe you should take her as your client. And I replied to this other practitioner, I said, no, you know, that's absolutely not necessary. I know you and I know how competent you are. And what often happens is that when somebody has a, what we would think is a complex case, like a chronic fatigue or a chronic fatigue syndrome, and there's maybe some sort of pathogen load in their history, Sometimes that can feel a little bit complicated and it can feel a little bit overwhelming. And therefore, we think that we need special advanced tools or practices or antiviral protocols or whatever else to get a result. And actually, we may need a little bit of that, yes, but fatigue recovery is built on the basics. So if you've listened to some of my previous episodes, you would have probably heard me say that ultimately fatigue is a consequence of the body not being able to make enough ATP to meet its needs. And there are multiple different mechanisms that would affect our ATP production. That is a lot of what I've covered so far in previous episodes. Obviously, I've not covered everything extensively yet, but you know, there's lots of episodes to come in the future, I'm sure. But ultimately, there's just a breakdown in ATP production. And if somebody has a viral load, or for example, if there's a chemical load, or you know, in, in my case, the sort of mycotoxin load and mold illness and gastrointestinal issues, we sometimes want to jump in and think that we need to fix that thing. And this brings me to the next thing which I wanted to share was that um, I've been working with many new clients recently, reviewing their casework, a lot of them coming to me from other practitioners. 
And as I've been reviewing their health check questionnaire and reviewing their testing history and just reading and hearing comments about what their other practitioners have recommended for them, very basic things have been missed. And I don't, I don't want to use this podcast to slate other practitioners or to talk negatively about other practitioners because nobody is perfect. And I know I'm not perfect. And I know from, you know, all the different clients I've worked with across the years, I could only help them to the best of my ability at the time. And there were times when I think back on certain clients and certain cases with the knowledge I have now, oh, I probably should have done that differently. Oh, I probably should have done that differently. So I'm not perfect. Nobody is. But when we're working with something like fatigue, we really need to start with the basics, whether or not the case is complex or not. So with these other cases I've been reviewing, very basic and very important things were missed. And that meant that that person wasn't necessarily getting the foundations that they needed to start their healing journey from a stable and grounded place. Because remember, if you're building a house and you want to build a strong and stable house, you want to make sure your house has got strong and stable foundations. And the same is true for fatigue recovery. So when we work with fatigue recovery, sometimes it's so easy to throw the most simple things out of the window because we almost think that they're too simple for the complexity of our experience. And so really what I just want to use this episode today to remind you about is that the basics matter and simplicity matters and just keeping things sort of easy to do in terms of your routines and supportive of the nervous system, not overwhelming with too many advanced practices and guzzling down a million supplements. Um, not that I think that supplements aren't helpful, but we need to find the, the right balance of carefully chosen supplements to support the body. So if I kind of circle back to that example I gave of the fellow practitioner who reached out to me said, oh, I'm not quite sure about my ability to support this client. And I said, well, you know about blood sugar, you know about sleep, you know about stress management, you know about digestive health, you know about hormones, um, you know about breathing and proper oxygenation of the body and circadian rhythms, that you are perfectly well equipped to support this client. I have no doubt that if you were to explore all of those things, that maybe she might be doing one or two of them, but I doubt that she is doing all of them. So that was the sort of feedback that I gave to my fellow practitioner. And that is the feedback I want to give to you today. If you're listening, if you're feeling like you're a little bit ungrounded in your healing journey, if it's a little bit like you can't quite get your feet stable on the ground to get some traction to move forward, this is an invitation to come back to the basics if that's what you need. There will be cases when someone is doing everything right and they're still not getting traction. And I've, I've been that person. And in which case we maybe do need to dive deeper and look at there's a stealth infection or 
toxin overload or something like that that's stopping the body really getting the momentum that it needs. But for the most part, this is just an opportunity for you to maybe check in with yourself and just be like, am I doing this? Am I doing that? How do I know? And some of the things I'll be talking about, I'm not going to go into detail in each different thing, but there are previous podcasts where the whole podcast is dedicated to that one thing, for example, sleep or blood sugar. So this podcast is really just an opportunity for you to check in with yourself. And so then coming back to this idea of the experience of fatigue being the body's inability to produce ATP, and there's multiple mechanisms that would cause that, but a considering that ATP is made in the mitochondria, the majority of which is made when electrons are transported across the mitochondrial membrane in what is known as the electron transport chain, we want to start to think about how routines really positively impact the mitochondria. And so the benefit of routine is that when we have a routine, specifically a routine with our food intake, a routine with our movement that we do each day and our sleeping and waking or a nighttime evening routine and our waking routine, this sets up our circadian rhythm. And the circadian rhythm just governs everything in the body. And one of those important things is it sets the capacity of the mitochondria to produce energy. So if we have erratic routines and erratic rhythms and erratic blood sugar as well, this is not going to be very good for our mitochondria. It's not going to be very good for our circadian rhythms and therefore our mitochondrial capacity or our capacity of our mitochondria to produce energy is going to be below par. And remember that we we stack interventions. So just because you do one thing, don't expect one thing to make you feel a whole lot better. If you do one thing and you build it into your routine and provided it doesn't make you feel worse, then the next step is just to implement the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So I was telling you a little bit about some of the clients I've been working with recently and some of the very basic but important things that I've been talking to them about is just having a daily routine and a daily routine which supports healthy sleeping and healthy waking. And I talk a lot more about this in the sleep episode, but really encouraging clients to wake up at the same time each day to get morning light exposure on their eyes. And then if possible, it's not always possible given the responsibilities we have in the day, but if possible also to get some light exposure in the evening before the sun goes down and if necessary, have an unwind routine in the evening, going to bed at the, the same time. So that's going to be really, really important for setting the circadian rhythm of the body, which is really important for the healthy functioning of the mitochondria. We also need to make sure that sleep is happening well. When your body enters deep sleep, you're able to clear out mitochondrial debris, which means that your mitochondria can function better. Fasting is also another thing that helps with this, but we all need to sleep. And I've really seen this in some of the clients um, I've been working with who haven't been good sleepers. 
I'm thinking of a particular client I've been working with now for several months and we're finally getting to the stage where she's sleeping well. And it's really just made such a big difference in her day to day. And she's able actually to go back to the gym now because she's sleeping well and she's recovering. And then obviously that physical activity is also supporting healthy mitochondria as well. So we want to have a good rhythm of sleeping and waking, light exposure in the morning and in the late afternoon. We also want to make sure that the quality of the sleep is really good. So really important basic things to master. Then once we've got that, we want to think about food. And especially when I'm working with a client in the early stages of their fatigue recovery, when there's a lot of instability in their system and their nervous system, these routines help to create a sense of stability in the body. So we want to have regular meal times. And whether that person is eating three times a day or five times a day, you know, it doesn't matter. But when they're eating and when they're not eating should be consistent each day. So if they have breakfast at nine, they should always have breakfast at 9. They're having their evening meal by 6 p.m. They should always have their evening meal by 6 p.m. So we want to create stability and routine in the feeding schedule. And then we can also look for stability within the meal so the blood sugar remains stable. Because if blood sugar is dropping too low and someone is going hypoglycemic during the day, that can be damaging to the mitochondria. If the blood sugar is going too high and somebody is becoming hyperglycemic or hyperinsulinemic, high insulin, which is not the same necessarily as having high blood glucose, then that can also be damaging to the mitochondria and that's going to impact energy and ATP production. So we stabilize sleeping and waking and the quality of sleep. And then we stabilize meal timing, and then we stabilize what's going on inside those meals, making sure that they're supportive of healthy blood sugar. And then the next thing is movement. Whether or not you are bed bound or at the very end of your fatigue recovery, everybody needs to move. And you just move as much as you can within the capacity that you have. So some people, their movement is you know, walking around the block and that takes them five minutes. Other people, it's just doing some gentle arm movements and leg movements in bed. And some of my clients are going back to the gym or starting weight training or other types of exercise. So it doesn't matter where you are, but your movement should be consistent and ideally done at the same time each day. If you're not able to be consistent with your movement, especially in these early stages, then the movement that you're doing is too much. And again, that was something that I fell into the trap of constantly trying to exercise, doing too much, and then not able to be consistent with it. So I never got into a good routine. So if you're somebody who struggles to get up out of bed in the morning, you're very groggy, you feel very unrefreshed after sleep, even though it's the thing you probably do not want to do, ideally what you should be doing is getting outside, moving a little bit, getting some light on your eyes, and that will be a really good way to support a healthy biorhythm, support that cortisol awakening response. So those, I would say, are the top three. Movement, sleep and circadian rhythms, and food, meal timing, and blood glucose control. The other thing worth mentioning here is really basic things like if you have fatigue, ruling out anemia is really important. So if there are 
any issues with oxygenation, because in anemia we aren't able to transport oxygen effectively to the cells, that's going to have an impact on your ability to make energy and mitochondrial function. If there are any hormone imbalances, these really need to be addressed because they can also influence the health of the mitochondria. So estrogen, testosterone imbalances, progesterone imbalances, thyroid hormone imbalances as well. We also need to have a certain amount of stimulation. So I talked about movement stimulation, but also cognitive stimulation. So um, again, just thinking of another client who's not working but would like to go back to work, we've been talking about things that she can begin to do each day to challenge herself cognitively so she can reestablish that um, cognitive capacity, kind of like an exercise regime, but for her brain. So we're really thinking here about just creating a sense of stability, creating a sense of structure, and then creating the foundations on which we can build. And then we can dig deeper and we can go into, you know, do we need to do an antiviral protocol or a gut protocol or a parasite cleanse or a mold detox? And obviously there's it's very hard to say we do X and then we do Y and then we do Z because in reality, every case is different and there's overlap and these sort of different stages or phases intermingle. But um, we, we, if we're kind of breaking it down for simplicity's sake into stages, it's really about stabilizing the basics, even just checking things like, are you drinking enough water? Are you hydrated? Do you need electrolytes? Those are all um, important things to be considering. And then obviously something I haven't mentioned, which goes without saying, is just nervous system, supporting the nervous system and making sure that we know what it feels like in our bodies to be regulated. And we also know the things that help us access regulation. And we're doing these things multiple times a day. Because often when I speak with clients, they first of all don't know what it feels like to be regulated. And if they don't know what it feels like to be regulated, they can't really identify the things that help them to do that. And this is part of what I teach in the Nurturing Resilience Group program. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh yeah, I don't know what it's like to be regulated and I don't really know what helps me, um, then that's a good place for you to maybe come and join us. So then also what I, where I wanted to wrap up with this is that I've kind of stressed this importance of having routines and this sort of, we need to wake up at the same time. We need to have the same meal times. We need to be exercising at the same time. And of course, then I've got clients who are doing other things. They're doing lymphatic drainage or their parent technique exercises, or they are using a sauna and then they're meditating and then they're doing their nervous system exercises that I've taught them and then they've got their yin yoga their restorative yoga and then their time in nature and it ends up becoming like a bit of a laundry list of all the things they need to do to take care of themselves every day and this is where we we really want to find the balance between working on ourselves and creating a healing environment and a healing routine and also just being a human being, being a human being that is a human being and not just a human being that's trying to heal. And here we really just want to dance with this a little bit is the word that I want to use, which is we, 
we do need to do things. And the sweet spot is hoping that or finding the things that really support our body and feels good and also enjoying them. So when I go down to the beach in the morning for my freezing cold swim in winter, even though it's not pleasant to be cold, it is still something that brings me so much happiness and joy to be outside, to get the morning light, to have the peace and quiet, and obviously the swim, which invigorates my body and helps in, in many different ways. So that's part of my healing routine that feels really good. But then there might be other things that you don't enjoy, like prepping your salads or following specific diets or saying no to the chocolate brownie or whatever it might be. And there are moments in our journey where we can just feel fed up with all the things we have to do to take care of ourselves. And um, that's a, you know, that's, that's also a human thing. All humans, whether they have a chronic illness experience or not, all humans are fed up at times by having to do certain things in the moment for whatever reason they don't want to do. And so this is where we have to dance. We have to dance with having enough structure, having enough discipline, having enough routine to support our bodies. And within that also having freedom to live, knowing sometimes when you know, sometimes life happens, stress happens, there's extra pressures, extra things going on. And we really need to listen to when do we just need to take a step back, take the pressure off, give ourselves a break, stick to the, the, the minimum of things that we need to do to take care of ourselves. And then there are actually times when we increase intensity. So we also need to know, okay, when do I turn the dial up on my healing? When do I kind of say no a little bit more to some of the other things? And then increase the healing intensity. And I think of examples of what I mean here is maybe you're doing a detox protocol and you need to spend more time going to the sauna or you need to spend more time resting or you need to spend more time doing lymphatic work um, or whatever it might be. Or maybe you're doing a gut protocol and you really have to up the ante on excluding certain foods from your diet. Um, so there are times where we maybe increase the intensity, but we don't want it to feel that intense all the time. We want to go through periods of intensity and then periods of softening. And then and finally, we also need to not be too non-committal. So when we soften, you know, enjoy the softening, enjoy taking, um, you know, some of the restrictions away. But we don't want to be in this place where we're constantly do a bit of this, do a bit of that, but we're not consistent. We monitor our blood sugar for a few days and then we skip it. We skip the monitoring every time we eat something that's not great. Or sometimes we go to bed on time. Sometimes we stay up late. So there needs to be structure and that structure shouldn't be overly rigid and forceful. Um, but we also don't want to go completely in the opposite direction where we're, we're inconsistent and we're not sticking to things long enough to really allow the body to be like, okay, this is the routine, this is how it works, and then let everything else in your biochemistry line up. So one of the things I like to say, and this is probably where I'll wrap up, is that healing is really about being able to understand what we need, what, what our bodies need and what our souls need, and honoring those needs. So we first of all need a connection with ourselves and with our bodies to identify the needs. And then the second part of that is now we've identified them. Can we really 
meet those needs for ourselves or seek the support from others that allows those needs to be met. And this finding the balance of our routines and finding the balance of healing modalities that really work for us is, is part of that process. And it is the healing. Finding the balance is the healing. Because if you're an achiever like me and you're constantly pushing too hard and trying to achieve at your healing, that's not healing. So we really want to, I guess, just take a moment and perhaps use this episode as a prompt to check in with yourself. Are you getting those basics? Are there things in your case that could have been overlooked? And are you feeling supported in your healing journey with what you're doing? Um, maybe this has been a good reminder to come back to the things you've let slip and slide. Maybe this is a good reminder that you're ready to up the ante and do a little bit more intense work. Or maybe this is a reminder that actually now is a good time to take the pressure off and take a step back. Or maybe it's just a reminder that you have permission to be fed up and you can just give yourself space to let your inner child or inner toddler, you know, throw their toys out the pram, have that. I'm fed up. I hate being ill. I'm sick of having to do everything like this all the time. Really hold space for that. Feel it, embody it. And this is all stuff we teach on the Nurturing Resilience Program as well. If you don't know what I'm really meaning when I say that and, um, and then let it move through you and then you can move on with your healing. So Thank you so much for listening to this today. As I said, it was a little bit of an impromptu episode, but it saves me a lot of time to do it this way. So if you have enjoyed today, please let me know. You can reach out on socials. Um, you can also leave a review, please. It helps people find the podcast. The reviews are on iTunes. If you're an Apple user, you can just leave a review. And um, I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.